You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Hope. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people to hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. Have you heard any of the podcasts? Yeah, I've been listening to a handful of them since you asked me because I'd never heard them before that. <laughs> did you hear Craig's? I did. Okay. Yeah, good. You work at John Deere? Uh, yeah, I work at Lampro. They're on 14, headed towards Unity. Who else did you listen to? I actually just listened to Adrian's today on my lunch break, and then I listened to my mom. I didn't realize my mom did it however long ago. A while ago. Yeah, so I listened, hers was the first one I listened to. And do you Ray get- just said that he did one, so I want to listen to it. This is my church merch. Oh, yeah. Did you get one? I was leaving. I tried to, Jonathan tried to make me stay, and then it deleted or something, and Aww. I said, I don't have time for this today. Garbage. <laughs> I'll come They're back so next cute. week. Jaden got one. Yeah, I love them. For free, because somebody donated Unlock. it. It's on a heart. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) And we are here in the podcast studio tonight with Mr. Dylan McMurray. We pulled him out of men's Bible study so he could come share his story. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Dylan was born in Salem, Ohio and raised in Columbiana. He went to Columbiana grades K through 8. And then he switched over to the dark side (laughs) and became a Crestview rebel during high school. I don't really mean that. My kids go to Crestview. I was a clipper, but tell why did you switch? Honestly, I think I just kind of wanted to change. My interests and my hobbies were kind of shifting from when I was at Columbia and I played sports, basketball, baseball, and football. And then I went to Texas the year I was going into my freshman year. Went to a PBR rodeo and came home and told my mom I want to start riding bulls. <laughs> So that's a good thing you switched to Crestview. Yeah, so I did that for like a year. I can't say I rode bulls because I never actually covered, so I I attempted. I broke my ankle, and then I got on a few more times after that, and then just kind of leered out of that and started, I kind of started working full-time right in high school, so that took up most of my time and uh, wanted to change the scenery, change uh, everything. (laughs) I actually love all our schools in Columbiana. Columbiana, Crestview, and Heartland. I've been a part of all of them, and thumbs up. I think we have a great school system. Did Wait. you watch Eight Seconds? Yeah. That movie. <laughs> I want to know where you train to ride a bull in this uh, area. So I've never heard of Hobbles that being Arena has, I'm sure they still have it. I'm not 100% sure, but they have Cowboy Up Youth Rodeo. Young kids will do it. Um, Wait, is this where you ride sheep, too? Yeah. They do so the much. Thing. You do rodeos? Mm-hmm. And then, like... There was also, you know, in 45 between Lisbon and Salem on the top of the hill, it might be camouflage stables now, but it used to be Armstrong's and they used to have a bull riding in the winters there. There's Buckhorn, which is over in Pennsylvania. There's a handful of different places. What do you have to do to like train for that? Do they just put you on one and well, then you I just go? I didn't do a whole lot of actual practicing, but you okay. can have like a bucking barrel, which is like a 55 gallon drum that's basically on a spring loaded and you can just practice your form and practice that way. Okay. That's working crazy. out, kind of strengthen your legs, and it's all about motion and kind of rhythm, okay. but also being able to hold on. My family in Montana, oh, rodeo is a high school sport. My cousin's daughter's like serious into it, and she's, she she travels all over the place. It's never too late, Beth. 
Oh, I don't think I'm going to be. Maybe be a rodeo queen. The guy I work with did it for, he went to state and everything. He went to Lisbon, but he's, I don't know, mid mid to late 40s now. But he did it for a long time, and I didn't know this until about a year ago. And then he actually taught kids. He did shoot dogging, which is they let the steer out, and they got to flip it, wrestle it, flip it, and get it on its back. He did that for years, and I never knew it. You yeah, go to Garwood's rodeos? I haven't. I've been in Garwa's arena a handful of times, but it's usually had been at night when nobody was doing anything. They got some local? major yeah, Garwa's right over by now. Crestview. What on is the way this to like? Yeah, passing on the way to underbelly of the. They do a lot of horses there. Yeah, you go by there like any weekend. It seems like they're packed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dylan works at John Deere Agriculture Service. He's a technician there, a service technician. He's been there since high school? No. I'm just making stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there between five and six years now. I worked at another dealer for a year before that. If you had asked me in high school if I was going to do what I'm doing now, no way. I started to go to Ohio State ATI right out of high school for dairy science. I wanted to be a nutritionist because I had grown up. I guess the last half dozen years on the farm and kind of in the agricultural industry. Within about a month, I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. So luckily, I you found dropped out, out soon. pretty quick and <laughs> dropped out soon enough. I would have never guessed what I was doing. I would like what I'm doing now, but I don't know what else I'd do. He's got an associate's degree in diesel technology from NCST, and he's constantly getting continuing certification credit through John Deere. Dylan was in a long-term relationship in high school and out, but he's been single for the past two and a half years. These are his hobbies. <laughs> One wheeling. So, okay, you what gotta explain it? that. It's like an electric... It's not really like a skateboard, but it's the best way to describe it. It's like an electric skateboard, but with one wheel in the center. Oh, I've seen those. Oh, yes. I think our neighbor has I one I didn't know they were called that. that. I, got, I wanted one for a while, and then I finally just got one, and now that's how I walk my dog. So I don't really ever get any exercise. I just ride that and let him. <laughs> I feel like that has to, you ha- that requires some kind of core strength, doesn't it? To like, <laughs> maybe not. Stay on I the board. I mean, <laughs> I'd be terrible at that. It's easy once you get the hang of it. I've, I've biffed it a couple of times. You don't times. know me very well. So. You're too cool to wear a helmet. Yeah. I've gotten some, road, some pretty good road rash a couple of times. I always feel bad for little kids who, like, their parents make wear their helmets, like, in the yard when That's they're me. riding on the ground. That's me. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I am they're in the grass mother. in the yard. Let's take their helmets off. <laughs> we got a lot of sticks, though, so. <laughs> yeah, goggles on, too? <laughs> no goggles yet. He's he says he likes dog walking, but he's really dog one-wheeling. <laughs> he loves to work and fix things. He's a handyman. Hiking, motorcycles, and motorsports. He has been at the upper room for around five years. Hope has not met him yet nope. because she sits on the right side of the <laughs> side of the church and Dylan's on the Sorry. left side. I think we need to start shaking it up and sitting in different places. Like musical chairs. Yes. <laughs> you may, you'll be like, oh, I'm in, a, I'm in a whole new group of people today. <laughs> Anyhow, welcome, Dylan. We're glad you're here. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Glad you had me. So tell us, Dylan, who or what turned your light on? Ultimately, God did. You know, as they say in the beginning of James, he says, consider pure joy in many trials because it'll lead to your perseverance. You'll test your faith and lead your perseverance. So I, my mom definitely turned my light on and started me. She's the most faithful woman I've always had contact with. I grew up in the church and grew up knowing 
the church way, but I was also really good at going to church on Sunday and doing what I wanted to do. Otherwise, it wasn't really, I guess, until a handful of years of pretty catastrophic yeah, <laughs> trials throughout life that I guess really made me open my eyes and lean farther and harder on the God and realize it was for the greater good. Do you feel comfortable sharing some of those? Mm-hmm. So yes. catastrophic, what's that look like? I guess a lot of a lot of loss with people. I had a handful of good friends die on me. One of them was my best friend. We were like brothers. He was with me and me we were together all the time. Like typically he would come see me at work and then say, All right, I'll see you when you get home and he'd be at home. He had gotten childhood leukemia in high school. Was just about completely cleared of it and then relapsed with a few months left I think it was and I come home one day after work and he was sitting on the couch and the girl was with us sitting on the other couch and I could just tell the the spirit in the room was just there's something wrong and that he had just come back from the doctor and found out that leukemia had come back three weeks after that I was at work one day and his grandma and his mom both tried calling me so I called him back and said we're up at Akron you might want to get up here so I did I stood alongside his family as they pulled the plug because he wasn't there, you know. That was probably one of my biggest hardships. Um, my senior year, right after graduation, my grandpa stuck on till I graduated. He seen me graduate, but it was it was actually when I was going to Ohio State there for that short month, he had passed. That was also kind of a, I guess, a turning point for me why I didn't like what I was going for, but I also just kind of wanted to come home and be with family at the time. Obviously, I, I lost that relationship I was in for about nine years. That was a hard one. And then here's a couple of years ago, my Nana had passed away, my mom's mom. Just a lot of close family and friends that have passed. You know, there's a couple other kids that one kid I went to school with, I was friends with, he died of a, he wrecked his truck. That kind of stuff, it, it took me from, I guess, depressed about it to now cherishing the little moments and actually like cherishing people's presence and like taking the time because a big a big issue that I had for a long time was I was like a workaholic I was a workaholic I was really good at just not dealing or not even acknowledging really emotion I was always trying to just go 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 keep yourself busy Mm -hmm. yeah in the meantime of doing that it made me also lose other relationships because I was too worried about trying to climb my own ladder and not even a good one. It was more of a materialistic or a, a stance ladder, I guess, with, with work. And before I knew it, the things that meant the most were just kind of dwindled away. It was like, wow, this isn't really worth working your life away. And I'm young enough that where you probably think, like, oh, you're still only 27. But So in the midst of all that loss and heartache, did you call out to God or did you feel like God was pursuing you? Throughout all that, I think my mom's... <laughs> A mother's prayer, my mom's prayers have definitely, and I'm not exaggerating when I say has saved my life multiple occasions, I think. I I wouldn't say I really call out to God unless I was in dire, desperate prayers where you just kind of ask for a favor. Three years ago now, coming up, totaled my motorcycle. And then three months later, I totaled my car. And I got in some trouble with the law and some other things I had had and, uh, that's where, like, both instances, I don't know how I, I survived at all. My motorcycle, I had no helmet on. I woke up in some lady's backyard. I didn't know where the bike was. I ended up getting 10 staples in my head for that one and a handful of things. My car, 
I'll have to show you pictures. I, I split a pull in three and I walked away without a scratch. Wow. And even after those instances, I really didn't, I just kind of joked it off, I guess. I, cause I didn't, at the time I was in such a depression and isolation to myself. I just didn't really care to, if I would have lived through it, I guess, to be honest. Fast forward, I guess another eight months or so, I got in trouble and my mom kind of sat me down and said, you're gonna straighten yourself out. I went to a, a six-month faith-based kind of program, and that's where I really, I always knew God, but that was Bible with Jesus boot camp, sun up, sun down, I mean, it was everything. And Was it a rehab program? Yeah, and you can go there, for, it was any life-altering addiction. So you could go there for mental illness, you could go there for drugs, alcohol. I mean, drugs and alcohol were the biggest thing. Like, I was baptized when I was 11. I got re-baptized when I was there. But I got baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was there, too. So that really is what kind of took the turn for me. Because, you know, I could live my Sunday church life and put on a good show and put on a smiling face, but never have any sort of conviction or never have any sort of, like, actually say I'm sorry and repent and, like, have a, a true conviction for anything I did. And now it's like the littlest thing will just flip me upside down. It's like... All right. <laughs> well, we, we have had several people on the podcast where we've talked about that. So moms and grandmas and aunts and uncles and dads, this is just another testimony that your prayer works when you feel like you have a lost child and they're not going to come back, that mm-hmm. God hears the prayers of a mother and mm-hmm. a father. And a, I just think about how many lives have been saved because of the cries of moms in their prayer closet because i wasn't really to be honest i probably wasn't ready i didn't think i was ready or i didn't think i needed to i guess get help so like i said i wrecked my motorcycle in my car when i wrecked my car i got charged with obviously wrecking and then i got a possession charge but i never heard anything of it it was like five months went by i never heard anything of it so i just kind of out of sight out of mind thought i was in the clear well my address was different on my license from where i was living and I told the police officer that, and I, I immediately went and got it changed. So I never realized that I got indicted. And then, it was at your old address? Yeah. <gasps> so then I was just oh, out no. for work one day delivering no. a, a piece of machinery. That's like a long shot for me to be delivering something either. It was like I, I worked on this mini for this guy, and he needed it. So I was just like, all right, I'll just load it up and take it, bring it to you. It was a Friday, Friday right around lunchtime. And DOT picked me up just for a random inspection. That's when I found out that... I had been indicted because a couple more cops pulled up behind them and said, get out and put your hands behind. <laughs> yeah, so so then in that and then in that oh, case man. I had gotten another charge. So it, it sounds terrible. I mean I have a past with getting in trouble now. I never did before that. So like I got in lieu of for my first one because I'd never been in, in trouble before. But at the time it was just like I was I wouldn't say mad about it, but like mad about it, just kinda like upset about it now it's like it was really a blessing in disguise because when i got picked up that day i got to spend the weekend in columbiana county so then the monday i got out it was when my mom my mom and my brother sat me down kind of for an intervention as soon as i got home they're like you're my mom said you're gonna get yourself help i found this place and there's no ifs ands or buts about it i said i don't think i need that a six month inpatient program I said no I said I can go do some counseling she's like nope if you want my help you're doing this and I did and it, it was 
It was what I needed, definitely. So tell us Not about only Jesus Boot Camp. You wake up, you do 15 minutes of devos, you do breakfast, and then you have the second half of the day is work skills, which is kind of just odds and ends chores, I guess. But the whole, if there's not much to do, the rest of that whole day, but the first half of the day is all classes, whether it's, and it's all biblically based classes, but a lot of them are really designed to pull out of you like for healing. I did a class on forgiveness, and this is the one I always reference to because it's the one that did the most for me. But like, I didn't realize how much unforgiveness I held in my heart for multiple things. Even as far back as my parents getting divorced when I was like 12-ish, because I just never dealt with it. Like I said, I just kind of, it is what it is, had that kind of mentality. But then those classes kind of just, they word it ways and can kind of like the, the questions they ask you, they really pull your strings to make you think about it. And there was days where I just wept. I'd say, can I go down to the prayer room and just have a little bit? And, and it was God healing me, that's for sure. But I had no idea why I was bawling my eyes out and I was just down there on my face. And so it's a lot of, a lot of classwork, but it's all classwork based on like, there's obedience to God, forgiveness, there's a multitude of classes you can take, but there's also a criteria that you have to take in order to graduate the program. Wednesday morning, you had chapel, and then Wednesday night, you had a group, and then Sunday night, you had chapel. And it's a very, very spirit-filled. Josh, the pastor down there, is a very spiritual man and very good people. Did you grow up with the idea that guys shouldn't cry or have feelings? Yeah, kind of. So I better Suck just it stuff it. Yeah. And... My my go-to was just to not not even really acknowledge things. Just to kind of, what are you going to do about it? It's done and over with and just don't talk about it. Hindered a lot of my relations with people. Since you've been out, have you learned to process your feelings differently? It's definitely still hard. It is not easy. If I'm having a conversation with somebody about my feelings, I'll find myself just constantly stumbling over my words. Like I got, I know what I'm trying to say up here, but it's hard for me to actually get it out. It's a process. I do do a lot better at it. I feel like after going through the things that I did go through, I like to believe anyhow, I have some more empathy in me and some kindness. I just, more of the, the fruits of the spirit, peace. I used to be very anxiety and just, I don't want to say mean or like grunt, like that. I was just always kind of seemed like I was irritated. Like just little things would just set me off for no reason. And that's a, a big thing that I think doing the, the job that I do, like I said, I didn't think I would have ever did it when I was in school because I could, I could serve something. But as soon as like the bolt of the nut wouldn't break loose the first time or the first time I smashed my knuckles off the side of something, that wrench or that ratchet was getting thrown across the room. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like, looking at me like I don't get upset with any like the patience that it the patience it has given me like it's just now it's like how to think of a different outcome or how to think of a different way to get the outcome you want because getting mad doesn't solve anything and that's in any aspect I think of life have you ever seen one of those feelings pillows where they have a whole bunch of words on a pillow because sometimes you're like I'm angry but then when you look at the anger section there's like other words that are like, I feel shameful, I feel sad. I f-. So it gives you words to say other than like, I'm just so angry right now. 
I'm like, I, we need one of those at the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to like pass yes. the feeling pillow around and say, <laughs> yeah. how do you feel today? Because <laughs> I, I think in society, especially for young men, that there is this stigma that having feelings is weak or you're not allowed to or anger is the only one that's acceptable. And if you are sharing any other feelings, you know, the, the society has made our men feel like they're not allowed to have those. You know, God created us with feelings and emotions and learning how to express them the right way is a very healing thing because you do have them and things do happen to you and stuffing it kind of creates angry young men. Yeah, it just builds up. Syndrome, yeah. Yeah, being transparent, I mean, I've always been pretty, I've always been straightforward, honest, said what I thought was honest didn't really seem to have the you didn't have a filter yeah (laughs) i didn't i didn't take into consideration what other people their perspectives or their it was kind of i was a black and white my way or the highway kind Mm -hmm. of person and then i started to see the gray in different life in general and then i had a guy tell me one time what shade of gray i forget how he said it exactly like there's black and white and gray and then there's black and white and the shades of gray it kind of like threw me for a loop i was like hmm never thought of it that way because, you know, the gray's not always right either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of, I don't I was I definitely wasn't sheltered. I just had my way of thinking. And I also was so, you know, living in a small town area. Nobody's the same, but like you get with your little group or your clique and you have like-minded people. You're not really opened up to other, I guess you got to put yourself into other people's shoes and see it from their side before you think your way's right. That's for sure. So how would you say your life has changed since your relationship with Jesus has become yours and personal and not just something that your mom brought you to or talked about? I think seeing a lot of the the miracles, we'll say, that I have seen has made it inevitably clear that, well, obviously he is here. I mean, he is in us. But I would say the peace, the peace of, of Jesus. Like I said, I used to have a short fuse, but now I just... I just live day for day because I used to be so strung up on living and working for my future to where that's all I thought about. That's all I thought about. And then by the time you think about it, my years passed. Now it's like I just try to sit back and actually appreciate and take time to just rest. Not even physically, just spiritually. Just take time. Even if I don't think I have the time or I shouldn't be, I just need to like rest. What lights you up? This is kind of interesting for me to say because I would another thing I would have never thought I would have said. I would say people, actually, just being a have good conversation in a genuine with genuine people. It's hard to find people that can actually have genuine conversation with, let alone some at some sort of intellect. Is really hard to find in today's age. I think, especially in my generation, mm-hmm. my age group, and especially on a spiritual or a a Jesus level. <laughs> you know, it's not. Maybe I'm not looking hard enough, but there's not a lot of kids or middle-aged that that's not their go-to. That's not their, you know, their first priority or even their second or probably their third at that rate, let alone thinking that it should transform the way they live or they think or that they should act. So I think people and just being able to socialize and be personable this sounds cliche too, but my dog, my dog lights me up like no other. He's, he's my absolute best Tell friend. Tell us about your dog. Well, he was a stray. He was running down 164. We got him like a little over five years ago now. He got brought home. I was like, take whatever animal you picked up 
and take it back where you picked it up. Just come outside and look. So I went outside and I sat down in the driveway and Milo, his name wasn't Milo yet, but he just come up my lap, started licking my face and that was it. So now <laughs> he goes to work with me every day. Like everybody at work, there's two salesmen, my service manager and another actually two more employees, another tech and another employee that all have treats for him at like their station. He just makes his, he knows in the morning, he makes his laps to who he needs to see. All the customers know him. He goes absolutely everywhere with me and he's always ready to go. Like first thing in the morning, he's bounced like literally all four <laughs> feet off the ground, bouncing at the door. <laughs> our, we're not a dog family because we're not home enough to have a dog. Yeah. We have cats, but one thing cats. I love about dogs is they show unconditional love I think like Jesus does, and they're just such a great picture of what mm-hmm. unconditional love looks like. Or, you know, they're so excited to see you, and they are so loyal, and it doesn't matter if you're a crank in the morning. They still, <laughs> like, when they see you at lunchtime, they're like, oh, you're home. Yeah. I'd really like to get another one, but I don't think work would be too keen on me bringing two dogs to work every day. <laughs> you're you're and, lucky to bring one. <laughs> yeah. And like if I got to go out on service calls, he'll go with me and just hang out in the field or wherever we're at. There's been times where I go to customers, even if they hadn't met him yet, and I'd go back there another time for some reason. Actually, one time in particular reminds me, I went there. And he's sitting at the, their freezer waiting. He's getting, they're getting popsicles or something in the middle of summer. And then the next time I went, I didn't have him with me. I'm like, where'd Milo at today? Where's your sidekick at today? <laughs> I was like, not here. Oh, <laughs> man. One thing I think when if you're praying and asking God, like, I need some friends that love Jesus, I do think he's faithful in answering those. And, yeah. you know, I think in our head it'd be like, it'd be great if we had... 10 of them or everybody in my circle was like that. But sometimes just one or two really good friends that love Jesus and can help walk alongside and you guys can sharpen each other is good enough. Even in the midst of, yeah. True friends is better than a dozen anyhow. I was listening to a podcast last night, actually, and he was talking about some guy wrote a book and he was saying that the Surgeon General is now saying that loneliness and chronic loneliness can shorten life expectancy to the tune of the equivalent of smoking 14 to 15 cigarettes a day. And he's not talking about like people who are reclusives, you know, like... hunkering down at home like they're, they're, they're just talking about the lack of an emotional connection and like not having that kind of community around you which is just like i feel like everywhere now i feel like that's why social media is the way i feel like we live in a sad society yeah and I'm, a lot of people that don't even you wouldn't think so i mean everybody has their own things going on in their lives that people don't know or don't recognize and you would never guess if you've seen them but i think yeah, sadness is definitely a and loneliness is a, a way of our society right now, it seems like. Yeah. I always tell my kids that if you're lonely, go invite someone. And I think everyone has this notion that I'm waiting for somebody to invite me, but everybody's doing that. And so no one's inviting. And so I was telling them, be the includer, be the inviter. And they make fun of me. I go places and I'm like, hi, I'm Beth. What's your name? Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh my gosh, what? I have to force myself to do that because I'm like, I think probably everyone else feels the exact same way that I'm feeling. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk to people. And it's not because I don't. Once I know you, I'm a six. So you're my friend for life. You're never leaving. And this is, (laughs) I will be loyal to you forever. But it's just that initial like crossing that barrier. Yes. But I think everyone feels that way. And I think especially post COVID, it made people really weird 
in real life. (laughs) Well, I'm proud of you for coming to the men's Bible study on Tuesday. It's the second and fourth Tuesday of the month. Yeah, typically like this week, this month we're doing the first and he's trying to figure out if we're going to do the second or the third, just because the third falls on the same week of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Mm. But that is available. So if you're a young guy out there listening, why don't you even have to be young? If you're a guy out there. There's a men's Bible study. There's your community. Twice a month on Tuesdays at 6.30. 6.30 p.m. And there's space for you. So if you are out there thinking, man, I'm lonely and I don't have people in my life who are interested in the things of God, check us out and Dylan will be there with some other great guys. Do you feel like you grew up in the social media era? Yeah. No. What was happening when you were like in high school? Was there MySpace? Was that MySpace? Yeah, no. (laughs) MySpace was that was my my time. MySpace was. (laughs) I think MySpace was. I feel like no, I didn't have MySpace, but I heard about it. I don't know. What song was on your profile? (laughs) (laughs) No, MySpace was definitely a thing. It was kind of fading out though once I was in high school. I feel like Facebook was just becoming a what thing. What year did you graduate? graduating? 2014. Oh, so Facebook was around mm-hmm. yeah. since 20. But I don't know if kids were on it. I think it's all grandmas now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a terrible place. I wasn't really, I shouldn't say I wasn't allowed, but I kind of wasn't allowed as a kid. I That's guess. probably good. No, that's so healthy. <laughs> well done, mom. I used to I, say MySpace. I used to have a MySpace I'd sneak. <laughs> yeah. fake name no <laughs> you're like Doing my homework mom will figure here. this out researching <laughs> bible verses <laughs> even video games my parents were always kind of put a limit on it and you had to be involved in something post-secondary be active like go outside you just had to be active and then you're still limited on do you think it was like after you experienced all that loss and you were feeling depressed and having anxiety that you kind of became isolated from people that definitely contributed to the fact. Even growing up, I mean, I always was pretty personable, but I was also always kind of like a, a lone soldier. Uh, I always seemed to get along better with older people. Like when I was in junior high, I was friends with some of the seniors. And I don't know, I was I always seemed to, even now. <laughs> You're an old soul. Yeah, I've, I've been told that many times. <laughs> like even now, I'd almost sooner rather have a conversation with somebody like, my grandpa's age and somebody my age. So. You're just looking for wisdom. Yeah. Do you feel like part of your stuffing is when you turn to drugs and alcohol? Stuffing your emotions? I think it was all kind of in one because like, I drank and, and smoked weed at a young age, I guess, legally allowed to. But um, that became a habitual thing for me. But it wasn't until all that loss and... I guess the isolation and depression hit that I just kind of fell deeper into that and let that be my comfort. I shouldn't say it was comforted, but it was more like just numbing, like Mm -hmm. a numbing agent to where didn't have your mind on anything. And I worked like I, my way of isolating was isolating and being a functioning addict and just literally working my life away to where I didn't really do much with people, which at the time I thought was, good i'm setting myself up aside from the addiction part of it but like the working like i thought oh, i'm setting myself up for my future like i'm getting a good head start going and it was true but at the same time you got to have a balance you can't just work sun up to sundown every day and not interact with 
people or just take time for yourself even. So tell us, how are you trying to let your light shine in this season of your life? Honestly, I guess trying to be there for people when they need it, if they decide that they want to open up. Just trying to be more involved in and find and create relationships with godly and un, and ungodly people as far as trying to help, I guess, get them on a, a right path and try to use my my testimony and my mishaps and my learning experiences is a way to maybe try and speak through to another person. Because I've experienced a lot and I've done a lot and I've had a lot of uh, mistakes, but there's also a million people compared to my one that's done way worse or has went through 10 times more trauma or, and some that haven't. So like a lot of times if I try and give a test, like, there's been times where I like say my testimony or really in deep about it, and it's just like kind of get like feel bad. I don't want to say feel bad about it, but feel like it's really is it really that bad? Because there's people out there that are so much worse shape, and you know I always had a roof over my head, I always had a meal to eat, a loving family, a good family, good you know people around me. But you never know what anybody's going through. So well, I you know. can have all of that stuff and still have a Jesus-sized hole in your heart. Exactly, and even a family and a roof over your head, and that doesn't fill it. And so there's a lot of things that we can try to turn to to fill that hole. But we find out like that's not working. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any supernatural experiences that you'd like to share? I got a few. Good view. <laughs> my first one, honestly, was um, kind of mind blowing to me, and it was just so it was so cool. My well, it was a little while after we first started coming here, but we did Greg's Foundation One class. At the end of the class, he took us in, and he was just praying over us and everything. And like I said, my mom's always been a faithful person, and I I always knew of God. I I heard of the Holy Spirit, but I never actually witnessed somebody. And my mom fell out in the spirit. I mean, fell back on her ground, on the ground, on her back, speaking in her heavenly language. That's what she she was praying for, and then just couldn't stop. Greg's still praying for other people, and she's just on the floor, couldn't stop talking. It was awesome. That was the first real supernatural experience that I had encountered. What did you think about that? When I was younger, we actually went to First Christian Church, but my brother had had us go to—is it Victory in Five Points? We went there or once. Five Points is New Hope. That was the really like first real spirit-filled church I had seen. So you know, people were getting on their face in the altar, and people were just jumping around the joy of the Lord, and it was kind of like almost uneasy. It was a strange first encounter, and it wasn't like I didn't like it, but it was just I didn't really understand it. Well, then I think personally experiencing my own mother falling out in the spirit it was surreal so and then going through that program really i've seen a lot of a lot of supernatural things like I me mean, obviously i got i said i got baptized in the, the spirit there and it wasn't like that like i didn't fall out in the spirit i was just in my own prayer time we had we had our own designated times each day we had our own prayer time and i had been praying for it for i don't know probably a month i was just sitting there worshiping worshiping and next thing i know i'm just kind of speaking in my heavenly language, and I just, is that really real? And now it's like, you just kind of just can flip it on, like, especially you don't know what to pray, and you can mm-hmm. just, just pray. Or like, I do it a lot when I'm, like, when we're worshiping, I'll kind of bounce back and forth between saying the words and just praying and uh, in the spirit. It's just such an overwhelming peace that comes upon you. 
But seeing lives transformed down there and the way that God moves in people's lives that, like I said, have had such worse circumstances and, and experiences with life to where you would think, I could kind of understand why you would feel beyond hopeless. And then to just see that do a 180 degree flip in them and then just be a completely transformed person. It's, mm. it's mind-blowing. It's not mind-blowing. It's encouraging. Have you noticed anything different since you've had your prayer language besides having peace? I Sometimes I try to, like, look up what I'm saying. And it's never, I've never really had it work out too much in my favor. <laughs> but uh, Josh actually had mentioned this happened at a church one time where I think a lady was baptized in spirit and she started speaking in tongues and somebody that was there recognized the language. The interpreter, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, so I think that would be really cool. I am more so just the, the fruits of the spirit really come out more. Like the patience, the peace is the biggest one for me. Because like I said, I used to be a very short fused, little things would just set me off on top of anxiety is just like always calling my mind was always a million miles an hour and now it's just and it still does get to that point but then i just know i can call on jesus and it just kind of mellows out i also feel like i get more this is a bad example because i'm trying to figure out what to say but like stuff comes to me quicker revelation uh, yeah like i can either speak upon something or have words of advice or whatever you want to say wisdom or like somebody could say something or i could be in a situation and i would regularly have no idea what I should do or say. And it's just like second nature. It's just like... Mm -hmm. If anybody's out there listening, that's kind of in a position where you were when you were in your dark space, what encouraging words do you have for them? You're never too far gone. It's never too late. And there's always somebody that's done worse or had worse and is willing to help. Well, that is great advice. Mm -hmm. We're so glad that you came in to share part of your story with us and if you haven't met dylan he sits on the left side in the front row (laughs) five years later here we are Um, together introduce yourself to him (laughs) dylan thanks for coming in and sharing your story and we're glad that you came in and make sure you tune in next week for another special guest Bye. bye